Heaven, what a great concept. Amen? You know, you were made, created, and designed by God for heaven, and while on earth, to experience the blessings of heaven. We're going to talk about heaven. We're in a series that starts today. It's a great follow-up from the Breathe series we were in. But before we do that, let's have a little fun, all right? So how many of you saw Father the Bride Part 1 and 2? Anybody remember that old movie? Remember that? Okay, last night I made Part 3. So here's what happens. Our daughter is pregnant. She's due yesterday. And so yesterday... My wife and I were talking, and we just kind of agreed that she should buy a ticket and go out there because Jen went to the hospital that morning, and they sent her home. She called like the dejected grade school child saying, they sent me home, Dad. And I said, yeah, that happens when you're not ready. They're going to send you home. She said, well, I want to get sent home again. I said, I know. Don't worry. This is going to happen. Don't worry. And so uh, I said, Tammy, you should buy a ticket. So we buy a ticket to fly out there for her to fly out, for Tammy to fly out last night. 7 o'clock flight out of John Wayne. So all's good. She talks to Jen. Jen says, I'm not having that baby. Don't come. Now, you know, when you tell mom not to come, it just doesn't go over well. You follow me, right? So she goes, I said, just keep the ticket. It was a $94 ticket. Keep the ticket just in case. No, I'm getting the $94 back. So she gets the $94 back. 5.30, now remember, it's a 7 o'clock flight. 5.30... Our son-in-law, Brandon, texts me and says, hey, don't hate me, but Jen's been admitted, and she's going into labor. I look over. You know, I am totally unprepared for this moment. My wife is packed, and so we rush out of the house. We drive to John Wayne. We get there in plenty of time, only to discover that my wife does not have her license with her. Now, remember, it's like now 6 o'clock, 6.15, on the 91, and my job is to go get the license, get it back to John Wayne by 7 o'clock. Now, I want you to know that I went as fast as I could go on the 91, which was about 50 miles an hour, right? So all of a sudden, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I'm never going to make it. I get to Imperial, and I look at my ways, and it says, 15 minutes to your house. It's a mile, it's a mile to my house from there, 15 minutes. Are you kidding me? So I called Tammy. I said, this is not going to work. I'm not going to get it there in time. So she calls Marlene here in our church. She goes over, opens it up. Our neighbor and her, and her dad rushes the driver's license to the airport. I turn around. I said, Tammy, I'll come back in case you don't make it. Uh, I'll take you to, to LAX. There's a flight out of LAX, right? So I get there before the license gets there. How does this work? I don't understand how this works. I'm waiting, you know, waiting. And then so, she, so she's got like five minutes. They're going to hold everything, for, right? So she rushes in there. They say, no, they're not going to hold it. So she comes out. Tammy's out. And then she turns around. And I said, okay, I got a ticket on LAX, but we've got to hurry. She said, well, let me go get my refund on the other. Forget the ticket. She's going back in. I'm going to get out of here. Come on. So we get in the car, and now we're driving to LAX. Now, I filled up my car with gas. By the time I got home last night, about 9 o'clock, I had gone through a half a tank of gas going to airports, right? And so we got her there. Everything was fine, and uh, she made it in time before the birth, 
And But at about 11.30, you know, we get this text. She's at like 90%, whatever that means. You know, I know there's like all different kinds of 90% and centimeters and millimeters and all kinds of things that happen that guys really don't want to know about. I know you women want to tell us. We don't want to know. Boy or girl, that's all we need right now, right? And so anyway, uh, by 3 o'clock, we had a new baby girl. We want to show you some pictures. So that's our son-in-law, Brandon, and that's uh, Gracie Bell. And Grace uh, was the name of my my uh, grandmother, and my mom's middle name was Grace. And so Jen kind of honored them with the name Gracie Bell. So we're going to show you some more pictures here. This is really, is, look at that. It looks so much like me. Right? All right. Let me see, let's see some more here. This is so good. Look at that. Gosh. Just already ahead of her field. Got a good sense of humor like that already, just an hour old. That's what I look like naked on the bed right there, right? <laughs> it ain't pretty, but it's cute when it's that age, right? Okay. I don't know. Do we have any more? Oh, that's it. Okay. But anyway, that's a little fun. Amen. Now, I know you say, oh, I wish my baby would get up there. Well, just go be the pastor. Amen. No, we have so many cute babies that are born here and so many cute children. We just, uh, we love them all. And they're all just like, uh, just gifts from God. We love life, don't we? we? We were made for life. And anything that disrupts life is a disruption in the purpose and the design of God in our life. Today I want to talk to you and I want to I try to put some things together uh, for you as we kind of process through this message. Um, in Jeremiah 23, 3, uh, 23, 23, it says, do I not fill heaven and earth? Do I not fill heaven and earth? One of the things you're going to see as we study is that God is consumed with heaven and earth, and he puts them together throughout Scripture. He doesn't separate them like we do. We, we think in terms of we're here on earth, one day we're going to heaven. But God is obsessed with the idea of bringing heaven to earth and bringing those together. And as I was thinking about this, I, I, just, I think God gave me this diagram that really just kind of speaks powerfully uh, on this subject. And we always think in terms of heaven and earth, and we think about those coming together. And what I realized was that's progressive revelation. What happens is when you first come into faith in Christ, you get this idea that I'm on earth, but one day I'm going to heaven. But progressively, depending on the teaching and the church you're a part of, you begin to understand that, that, that heaven and earth are supposed to come together here and now and there and then. And so that God has a divine plan, and what you really begin to understand is the more you see these two coming together, the more you understand the kingdom of God. In fact, if you don't really understand how heaven and earth are, are really tied together in God's mind, you don't fully understand the kingdom and you can't function in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we get so caught up with earth that we're earthly consumed or heavenly consumed and we miss out on the real kingdom. When Paul came, he said, I didn't come to you in word, but I came into you in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And he talked about the kingdom power, the idea that kingdom power is best realized in your life and my life when we begin to see these two things come together. And that's going to be the topic that we're going to talk about today. 
see, we begin with this idea that God is the creator of heaven and of earth. Now, that may seem elementary to you, but I want you to really think about the depths of that. If you do not believe that God is the creator, but you hold to another view, philosophical or scientific, of how we came into being, you can know God, but you can never know the power of the kingdom. Because to know that God is, and to know that he created all things by the word of his power, is to understand the kingdom. So sometimes we, we, we miss this idea that if I'm off just a little bit on some of the theology that I have, I can be off a million miles further down the road. So we have to begin with this idea that Genesis says, in the beginning, God. Let's just stop with that part of it. In the beginning, God. If the Bible stopped there, it would be enough. But beginning is a creature word. Beginning has to do with time. We all relate to that. We begin something, we end something. I begin a sermon, you wonder if I'll ever end a sermon. But beginning and ending, beginning has to do with time. God created time for us, but not for him. God dwells in the eternal now. He really doesn't dwell in past or future. He dwells in the now. So everything is present tense for God. But God wants us to understand and to kind of calibrate our mind around this idea, in the beginning, God. There was nothing before, nothing after. God always was. God did not create heaven for him, nor did he exist in heaven before he created heaven, because heaven was created for you and me, not for God. God doesn't need heaven. God doesn't need earth. God is all-sufficient. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. All those, all things about God are true of him and no one else. Now, in the beginning, God, and then it says this, he created. He created. He created out of nothing. He didn't use materials and build something. He spoke, the Bible says, the world into existence. So he created all things, and notice here it is again, heaven and earth. So he put heaven and earth together right in the very beginning, chapter 1, verse 1, so we would understand that there's an important connection between the two. Now let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For it says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven, and here it is again, and on earth. So let's understand this parallel that heaven and earth together are important in our mind and our understanding because God made it so. God wants us to see the connection. God wants us to see that apart from the other, it doesn't make sense. That's why people who don't know God are so really frustrated on one dimension. They might be happy but frustrated because they don't see an eternal destiny or purpose for their life. So it's all about here and now, and if I have a good life now, it's good, but then I die and there's nothing beyond that. So that destiny that God weaves into us is, is forsaken by so many because they don't know God and they have no future to understand. So he says all things were made by him in heaven and on earth. And then he says things that are visible and things that are invisible. So the visible things are easy. We look around, we see trees and we see birds and we see all these things that God created the things that we see. But it also says that God created the unseen things. So unseen things would be example, would be your eternal soul. You've never seen your eternal soul, but you believe you have one. And that soul for you is real, even though you haven't seen it. God created that. 
God created you physically with a brain, but eternally created you with a mind. And your mind always dictates to your brain. So we can't examine a person in terms of their brain, but their mind lives on to eternity. So when I die, my brain dies, but my mind lives on. My soul lives on. I have a physical frame. And one day, this physical frame will give up to a spiritual frame. I have a spiritual body. Now, what will it look like? I don't know. I hope it's a little bit taller, a little bit thinner. Amen. I went to the doctor. He said, your weight's perfect for a man seven foot two. I realized I didn't have a weight problem. I had a height problem. And it it makes me feel so much better about life. Do you know what I'm talking about? You see, it's all different that way. It, It makes life a lot richer. And so it says that he created all things visible and invisible. Do you realize he created physical beings? He created spiritual beings like angels. The Bible says that God created the angels. Now, when you go to the book of Genesis, you begin in chapter 1, you don't see the creation of angels. What you do is you see God beginning with this narrative about planet Earth and the creation of man in his own image. But remember that Colossians says he created all things, and by the time you get to chapter 3, guess who we encounter? We encounter a spiritual being named Satan who was an angel that rebelled against God, and he became the leader of about a third, the Bible says, of the angelic beings who rebelled against God, and that's what the Bible identifies today as demonic spirits. So we contend with these demonic spirits in the unseen world. The force of them often is, is felt in our own lives, and yet at the same time, there are two-thirds, there's another third extra of angels who are also contending for us and are ministering spirits, the Bible says, for the sake of the saints. That's you and me. So you have angels that are ministering to you whether you know it or not. Amen? Are you all with me? All right, I know I'm, I'm just, this is like a fire hose, but I got, I got, to, get, I got to get the water out of the, out of the truck here for a little while, okay? And then we can get, kind of dig into this. So it says that he created thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him. So he says, all right, there are thrones, there are powers, there are dominions. On the physical earth, We know that there are kings, presidents, there's prime ministers, all those things. There are structures of authority in the physical realm. He's telling us that there are also structures in the invisible eternal realm. So just like you see an order, an organizational chart, for example, for a a, a world government, you also see an organizational structure for a spiritual government. So that angels are operating with that chain of command, as are demonic spirits operating with that chain of command. So what he's trying to do is lay the foundation so you understand that God created all things, visible and invisible, things that are seen, things that are unseen, thrones, dominions, and powers, they were all created by him. They didn't just happen to come to be. They were created by him. Now, that's, that principle is so powerful. I want to give you like three or four statements here that I think are going to help you kind of sink this down in and kind of affirm what you hopefully already believe. First thing is this, that God makes no attempt to water down, water down the declaration of creation. He doesn't say, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, we think. It doesn't say God created the heavens and the earth, what do you think, do you believe in that or not? He doesn't water it down. He doesn't say, hey, here's a great idea. What would you think about God being one of the ways that we got here? No, he just simply says that God created the heavens and the earth, period. 
God does not try to convince the skeptic about his person or his power. You see, the Bible, while it is, can take care of itself, it, it lays out great foundational truths for, uh, for its own defense, God's not primarily concerned about trying to defend himself. He makes declarations because he's God. Sometimes we think we're going to help God by clever arguments, more knowledge, and philosophy. God says, I can use all of those things, but remember, ultimately, you can't convince anybody to follow me or believe in me. No man comes a father except the Spirit draws him. It is the work of the Spirit that does that. What we do is we are co-laborers with God, and we sow seed, we do all these things, we, you know, we give people Scripture, but ultimately, you don't convince somebody, therefore, you should never get in an argument with somebody. All through my ministry, people said, you know, you should, you should debate so-and-so. I said, why? I already know the answer. I, why do I debate? What am I going to debate? I, I, my debate would be this. I'm right. You're wrong. We're done. You say, well, that's kind of shallow. Okay, I'm shallow. I'll take that too. I believe God created the heavens and the earth. I believe there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Bible says no man comes to Father except by him. I just believe that. And I am living proof of the reality that what God said in his word is reality in my life. So I live by that principle of faith. I operate by that principle of faith. Also, God declares that he is, and he dismisses all other points of view. God simply says, I am. Moses asked, what do you mean I am? I am everything you need, Moses. I am your all-sufficiency. Whenever you feel short, I am. Whenever you need help, I am. I am everything you need. I am, and notice I am is present tense. It's not past or future. God is always your present tense help in time of trouble. Amen? Amen. Now, let me show you something really interesting here. And this is that heaven desires earth as earth desires heaven. If you understand this principle, this is going to become really powerful for you. Heaven has this natural attraction to earth as earth has this natural attraction to heaven. That's why God puts them together. That's why here on earth, when we don't see the reality of heaven happening in our world, meaning we have setbacks, we have pain, we have sickness, we have illness, what we do is our heart cries out for God to come to our rescue from heaven. That's why heaven is always trying to push itself into earth, and earth is always trying to reach into heaven. Now, you know I love to watch uh, videos on YouTube, and I was watching this one on magnets. I know a few weeks ago it was, it was drones, but magnets. So they have these electronic magnets, you know, and I don't know how this thing works, and I know somebody's going to come up and go, let me tell you. I don't care. I don't care how they work. I just want to tell you about them. Okay, so they got this electric magnet. They put this charge through this thing. They got these giant things, and they put them on a crane. Are you with me? Say, I'm with you. And all of a sudden, then they turn on the juice on this thing, and all these giant metal pieces just start flying through the air, like 15, 20 feet in the air from this magnetic pull. I'm going, this is the coolest thing in the world. Then they take the crane, and then they turn the jewel, and they all drop. And I'm watching that. I go, this is amazing. 
This is amazing. Say, this is amazing. I know you don't believe me yet, but you will. I thought, you know what it's like? The power behind that crane is like God. That crane is heaven. And those fragments, those metal fragments are earth. When God turns the power on, what happens is these two start to crunch together. And you see the kingdom reality. Why is it we struggle so much when we have a setback? Our dear friend Carrie and, and Guy, Carrie's here and her husband Guy's in the hospital, and we have been interceding for him for two weeks or more. And the reason that our heart breaks so much is because we love you and because we love Guy and we love your family and because we just look at it and go, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And we as a family, we contend for one another. When, when, you know, when you're going through a difficulty, you want someone who, who is contending all the time. You know, what I've learned is I can't allow doubt to enter into my mind because it runs crazy. So when people try to give me a discouraging word on any level about what God can't do, I just reject it because I can't handle it. I'm going to cultivate faith at all costs. I'm going to say, no, this is what God says. We say, what if God doesn't do that? That's God's issue, not mine. My issue is I will believe you. I will believe you for everything you show me. I will believe you according to the word of God. I will never let my faith wane in any way. I will never give up. I will never throw in the towel. I will never say never. I will say God is God. God is all powerful. God is almighty. And God is going to do it. And it's up to God to bring it to, to fruition. It's my job to believe. Amen. And that's what we're going to do. I had a, a great testimony here just to, uh, before the first service. Uh, one of our volunteers came up, and I'm going to get the right details. I'll give it to you in, in all of its beauty. But she basically said, I've suffered from night blindness and depth perception. And I was at the conference, and a guy came up to me. I was telling him about it. And she said, well, let's just pray. Prayed for me. And all of a sudden, I realized my depth perception is back. I can see in the night. I was back there in the night. You know, and the, you know the, the house is dark when we worship. And she said, I could see faces on the stage for the first time in years. Let me tell you something. You know what that is? That's this. When you see that happen, that's the kingdom. When you walk in and someone smiles at you and you know it's the love of God, that's the kingdom. When you see someone saved, that's the kingdom. Watch this. When you don't litter and you pick up trash, that's the kingdom. Because you understand that God created the heavens and the earth, and you are responsible as a resident, as a citizen of this land, to stop the pollution. You're a resident. When you, when you stand up and say no to human trafficking, you're saying the kingdom, it matters. You're saying people matter. There's nothing more valuable than what God created. And, and he says, now, when you understand this and this, you'll start to see these come together. I really believe that what happens is when we first, when we first come to faith in Christ, uh, heaven is here, earth is way down here, and then over time, there's a convergence that happens. We begin to see if we've got good teaching, we understand the Word of God, we understand how heaven and earth, they start to come together more and more so that as you mature in faith, you're going to begin to understand more of the kingdom because you understand the heaven and earth have to come together to manifest the kingdom of God. 
That's why Jesus taught us to pray that way. You see, heaven desires earth as earth desires heaven. Let me show you what God has for us. Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Did I tell you God was obsessed with heaven and earth together in the same sentence? Once you see this in Scripture, you'll never be the same because every time you see it, you go, wow, that's it. There it is again, heaven and earth, heaven and earth, heaven and earth. If you're so earthly-minded, you're going to doubt everything. You're going to say everything's a coincidence. If you're heavenly-minded, you'll neglect earth and you'll get consumed with this, and all you want to do is die and go to heaven. That's a cop-out. You were never designed to die and go to heaven. If you were, the day you got saved, you would have died and gone to heaven. God has a purpose for you on earth. It's called the kingdom of God. It's called functioning in here as a co-laborer of Jesus Christ, powerfully, mightily working in the world that God has given you and given you dominion over. So it says that new heaven and new earth, for the first earth and the first heaven had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. What that means is there's no more separation. Then I, John, look what he said, I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. The new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride ordained for her husband. Guess what happens? You've ever been at a wedding, and here's the groom. The best part for me is watching the groom when the bride comes down the aisle. Because he's just like, he's crying, he's just smiling. He's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. This is amazing. Right? And here comes the bride in all of her glory, you know. She's all just excited about this day, been waiting since she was four years old to get married. Guys had thought about it, you know, 20 minutes before the wedding. But here she comes. Here she comes in all of her glory, you know, and here's the groom. He's just crying. He's weeping. And God says, that's how it is when heaven and earth merge. Here comes the bride in all of her glory coming down. The groom is ready to meet, and the kingdom's going to collide. And God says, if you want to know what heaven and earth coming together is like, it's like a bride and a groom meeting at the altar for that sacred moment where they're going to be wed, husband and wife, and here it is for all eternity. He said, I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now, one thing I noticed about the Bible is that they always talk loud in heaven. You ever notice that? It never says they whispered. There's no whispers. Have you ever noticed how religious people are always quiet? Well, you know, they're whispering. Quit whispering. Well, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. No, offend somebody. Tell them about Jesus. You might be surprised. I was pulled over the side of the road uh, on Saturday, and I was, I was looking at a, a, a piece of land, and I was sitting there, and I was just kind of looking at it, thinking and dreaming and praying, and all of a sudden a car pulls up, this lady pulls up, and she goes, are you okay? As far as I know. No, I mean, are you, is your car broke down or anything? I said, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm just kind of looking here. And, and so anyway, we begin dialoguing, and it's like on the most dangerous corner you could imagine. And so I'm pulled off the side. She's not. She's right in the road there, and we be, just begin dialoguing back and forth. And I said, "Well, I'm pastor, influencer." I said, "Well, I've been wanting to come there. I've heard about that." And so we're talking back and forth, and she gives me her, you know, her spiritual background is very interesting. And and so anyway, I said, "Well, you know, I'll send you the newsletter." So I got her information, sent her the newsletter. She got right back. She said, "My husband and I are going to visit in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much for your time." And I'm going, you know, this is kind of cool. This is the way life's supposed to be. 
where you take responsibility for every minute you have for the kingdom. He said, I heard a loud voice. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you know that word dwelt is the word tabernacle? Jesus tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And here it says God is going to tabernacle with men. The tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be their, and he, and be their God, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Tears are a part of earth. They're not a part of heaven. The more kingdom perspective you have, the more you understand that earthly tears will vanish. They will give way to heavenly joices and rejoicing. You see, when, I, when I'm too earthly bound and I don't understand the kingdom, then what I do is I react to heaven and I get mad and say, why isn't God doing something? The more kingdom I say, I trust you, God. I may not like what you're doing. I may not understand what you're doing, but I trust what you're doing. You see the difference? Being honest with God is never a problem for God. But we have to, prog- we have to make progress through that. He said, I will be with them. I will wipe every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There should be no more pain for the former things that passed away. God says, I've got some former things, and, and we're going to let those pass away. Because, you see, heaven will one day fully unite with earth. That's God's plan. Fully unite. Fully merge. Fully merge. God created heaven and earth simultaneously. Notice Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Simultaneously. I created them both. I'm going to give you an account of earth, but I created heaven too at the same time. See, God was multitasking. I, I just always picture this stove, and God's over here, he's got earth going. And over here he's got heaven, but you know, I know you guys are hungry and you're all about earth, so I'm going to tell you about earth, and we'll get to heaven a little bit later in the book. Amen? There's time for that, but right now let me just tell you how you got here, what it's all about, what it means to be in the image of God, and and the order of creation that I designed for you. God will transform one day the old heaven and the old earth into our new eternal destiny. See, right now there's a problem with earth. You know what it is? It's not perfect because we messed it up, all of us. Guess what? Heaven is not perfect right now because demonic spirits, angels, messed it up. God says, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. It'll be the same but different. You say, what does that mean? I don't know. All I know is what I read. And the Bible says that God did not create heaven for him but for us. God didn't need heaven. You needed heaven. God didn't need earth. You needed earth. God says, I got this wonderful plan. I'm going to create some beings in my image. And I'm going to give them an earth suit temporarily to move about planet earth. But I'm going to, as I wrap that that spirit man with flesh, there's going to be a spirit man and a spirit body there, 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to follow up on that one. There's going to be a spirit man there that's going to thrive forever, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them a glimpse of heaven in this physical realm so that they fully understand this spiritual realm that is coming. 
You with me? Say, I'm with you. All right, that's good. Even if you're not, I just like the affirmation. I'm an only child. Okay. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. The disciples said, we want you to teach us how to pray. Will you teach us how to pray? Isn't it interesting they never said teach us how to do a miracle? Because they knew that miracles were only possible because of prayer. They knew the source of the power of miracles was not some ability. It was prayer. It was access with the Father, being in contact with the Spirit of God. Look what it says, our Father which art in heaven. So God said, I want you to position me in your mind because as a creature you have to understand it that way. Actually, God is everywhere at the same time. The Bible says he is, we use this term, he's omnipresent. That means he's here and he's over there and he's everywhere at the same time simultaneously. The reason that you have a greater awareness in some places is because God chooses to increase the level of his presence because of the plea of his people. In other words, the more you hunger for God, the more you'll see God. And he says, hallowed be your name. When you go to God in prayer and the first thing you do is ask for God or complain about something, you've already messed up your prayer life. Teach us how to pray. Our Father which art in heaven. You're different. You have to recognize the differentness of God, the otherness of God. And then you have to recognize his character is different. Hallowed be thy name. The first thing I do in prayer is I say, God, you are holy. That sets the stage for the fact that I'm not. So immediately what happens is I have to start with humility. Only then do I have authority. Hallowed be your name. God, you are holy. Anything that any complaint I have about you here on earth has to first go through the idea of God is holy. God is a good God. God doesn't make mistakes. I don't understand what God does. But God says, I want you to understand, first of all, that I am in heaven and I am holy. Then you understand how to access the kingdom of God. He said, so your kingdom come. So what do we say? Okay, we want the kingdom of God to come. The kingdom of God is the earth and heaven merging together in this reality. Kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Okay, so we want... Whatever you're doing here, we want it to be down here. Your will be done on earth as it is already being done in heaven. So we say, what's going on in heaven? The more we know about what's going on in heaven, the more we know what to pull down here and bring into earth. So now we understand operating in the kingdom. We were not designed to permanently live on earth for the fountain of youth. You know, we got to find the fountain of youth, live forever. No, that was never God's design to live forever on this earth and live longer and longer. It was to understand this principle so that we can function in the, when these fully merge together in the kingdom of God. So what God does, he says, as it is in heaven, God gives us access to his kingdom. Now, I want you to think about it like this. I'm gonna, I know this gets a little bit messy, but this is supposed to be a key. Okay, does that look like a key? Okay. You said no. You're probably right. Okay. But God says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. See, if God only gave us one key, we would say that must be the key of salvation. Now, God says, I give you keys to the kingdom. So imagine this. God says, open the first door. It's the key into the kingdom. 
And now here's a ring of keys, and you can go through as many doors as you want to go through. I honestly believe that the number of doors you're willing to go through here and now are going to be mirrored at the number of keys you're going to be given in heaven and the access you're going to have in eternity. There's something wrong with a theology that says death perfects what you couldn't do in life. Rewards are given in heaven based on what you do on earth. Grace is always unmerited, but rewards are always merited. There are going to be some choice positions for some people in eternity. They may not be who you think. They probably won't be the superstars. There'll be someone, it could be you, who understands there are keys in the kingdom and I have access into the eternal abode of God and I understand the mind of God in ways that I never could have understood apart from him. Psalm 119 is a great, uh, is a great psalm. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And one of them, one of the scriptures that came to reality to me when I was very young in the faith uh, is this one. You have made me wiser than all my instructors because your word has guided me. When I was first saved, my next-door neighbor was a guy named Grady. He got his Ph.D. in anthropology at Cambridge. He taught at Colorado University in Boulder, and he was an atheist hardcore. And I remember being over at his house. I was about a year into my faith. I didn't know much. I just believed what I believed today. I just believed everything that was in there. I believed cover to cover and even the maps in the back of my Bible. I believed all that stuff. Just believed it. I was over, and I was talking to him, and I said, now, now, Grady, you're a sociologist, an anthropologist, sociologist kind of guy, right? Yeah? So you study civilizations and how they came from, and you believe in, in, you know, that man just kind of evolved, right? You believe in evolution, that, you know, one day you were a single cell, and then you kind of grew some arms and legs, came up out of the ground, and then, you know, walked on earth, dropped the tail, and got a Ph.D. The primeval sludge was no more for you. You just were ready for life, Right? He goes, yeah, that's right. And I said, okay, so let me ask you this. Are there any, do you also think that there are civilizations that have never interacted with another civilization? And that they had a spontaneous evolutionary process apart from another one? He said, oh, yes, absolutely. I said, okay, how do you explain that every single civilization that you have studied, found, or whatever all have a God idea? So it wasn't like the first guy said, you know, we're really in a mess. We need something big. We need a cosmic skyhook to get us out of this mess. And they created God, and then they passed it on to another civilization and said, you need a God. Your God can look different than our God, but you need a God. And I said, so how do you explain that they all have this God thing? And here's what he said. He said, are you just setting up straw men to knock them down? I said, no, you don't want to answer my question. But I knew, I looked at him, and I knew I had him. You know, when you give somebody something, you know, I know that's right. And you're not going to admit it, are you? Now, now here's a guy who's Cambridge Ph.D. His wife is a nurse. His son is a nuclear physicist. And his daughter is something else, too, with really cool technical terms by it. I can't remember what it was. But they've all had Ph.D.s, except for the, the mom. So the first thing that happens that really shocked him and rattled his world was his daughter became a Christian. Then his son became a Christian. Then his wife became a Christian. But Grady never became a Christian because his God was pride. 
He served that I cannot be wrong. I serve the God of proud. We call it in the human world ego. You see, you can't have an allegiance to two gods. Your God may not look like Grady's God, but if anything stands in front of the true God, that is your God, that is whom you give your attention, your worship to. The reason that we pray to the one and true and living God is because we believe he is God and superior to all others. The reason we give of our time and of our money is because we believe in honoring that God. We serve that God. We honor that God. Because there's something inside of us that says that that's important. You see, kingdom attitudes are formed here on earth and then transferred to heaven. Don't think that all that you are today is going to be fixed and all of us are going to be equal when we get to heaven. We're all going to just kind of be, you know, like uh, fluffy little uh, angels floating around playing harps. You know, that might work in Hollywood. It just doesn't work in Scripture. God always has divine assignments for his beings, whether they're visible or invisible. And the way you shape your attitudes here on earth are going to be, you're going to be shaped in heaven based on what you do here. You will mirror many ways in heaven what you are here today. Alignment of God's purposes on earth reveal the true nature of God. When you begin to understand that you are designed for a purpose, what it does is it aligns you and, and helps you to understand the, the real nature of God. It reveals the nature of God in you. So when I'm, when I'm doing what God called me to do, people see God in me. When I'm doing what I'm not supposed to be doing, God, people don't see God in me, and they're not given the ability to be drawn into me. Interesting scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I want to give it to you from the Amplified Version. They really just kind of take the scripture, and they kind of just take each one of those words and expand their meaning to kind of help us see it a little bit differently. Listen to what it says. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. Now, I want you to think about you for a moment. Do you realize that God created you beautiful? Now, you may look in the mirror and go, I ain't beautiful. No, God's perspective on you is you're beautiful and appropriate. Yeah, I got all these problems. You think God doesn't know that? Ain't no shock. Always love it when somebody's new in the faith and they're praying and they give God the coordinates where they're praying from so that God can hone in on them. God knows all those things. God says, you are beautiful and you're appropriate, and I have, I have something in you. Now, look what it says here. He says, he has also planted eternity, that is a sense of divine purpose, in the human heart. Everything you go after apart from God is probably reflecting what you need or want from God. So when you, when you hunger for a relationship, it's really the hunger ultimately to find a relationship with God. You know, I was talking with someone this week, and we were talking about best friends. I said, I don't have any best friends. I have friends. I have friends. He said, aren't you a best friend to somebody? I doubt it. I'm a friend. Best friends always disappoint me. I got one best friend. His name is Jesus. He's the only one that really understands and loves me through everything. Amen? Hey, you're going to disappoint your friends. I'm going to disappoint you. But God is never going to be disappointed with us. That's amazing. That is amazing. He said here, 
that there is this in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet man cannot find, he, not, he cannot comprehend, he cannot grasp what God has done. That is his overall plan from the, from the beginning to the end. You know, I don't, I don't see the big picture clearly. I see it dimly. But God has this divine plan for every one of us. And the more that we walk in it now, the more that we'll realize it then. The more that we grow in this relationship and use these keys, the, the tighter heaven and earth come, and the more this actually enlarges. The kingdom of God actually gets bigger. So if we took this, we'd say, it's not that they're getting so much closer. It's actually that the kingdom is growing. It's becoming a bigger part of our life. It's dominating the way we think. It doesn't make us less human. It makes us more human. It makes us supernaturally natural, not weird. Amen? Okay, I want you to stand with me. And I'm going to have you do something, um, just a little, I'm going to have you ask God a question. Typically, when you ask God these kind of questions, the first thing that comes to your mind is the right answer. So I don't want you to work too hard at this one. Got it? Got it? Okay. I want you to ask God right now to tell you what's the one and most important thing that he showed you during this message, during this worship hour. Okay, just got it. Just one thing. First thing come to your mind. Don't, don't probe. First thing. Now, if you've got that in your mind, it might have been something like, wow, God really loves me. Or, wow, I, was, I didn't know that heaven was created for me. Whatever that is. Or, wow, God wants a relationship with me, and I, all the other earthly ones that I try to pursue, they're only just helping me, lead me to an understanding of our true relationship with the Father. Okay, everybody got the idea, got the assignment? Okay, how many of you, and I'm not going to ask you, so don't feel like if I raise my hand, I'm on the spot. You're not on the spot. How many of you feel like God showed you at least one thing that he spoke to you about? Just slip your hand up and just hold it up for a second. Amen. God was speaking louder in the second service. First service is like, Okay, now, okay, now for the rest of you, didn't raise your hand because you either didn't want to, which I get, okay, or God didn't speak to you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray first that God speaks to you and gives you a word or gives you a phrase, okay? Okay, so let's bow our heads. Father, for those who uh, didn't or couldn't raise their hand right now, I'm going to ask you, give them what's that one most important thing that they need to take away from today's um, uh, message or worship time. Spirit of God, reveal it to their spirit man. We say to the spirit man within you, wake up, listen, observe, discern what the Holy Spirit is saying to your spirit right now. Reveal truth, reveal a principle, reveal life, give a word, a phrase. It might be a word of affirmation. It might be a word of encouragement. It might be a word of direction. But God just gave you something. How many now who didn't raise your hand the first time would say, you know what, I got it now. Would you just slip your hand up? Slip your hand up. Amen. Amen. Okay, now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray that that thing that God put on you becomes your reality today, that you're not going to forget it tomorrow. 
You're going to pursue it because you believe somehow God showed you something, so you want to pursue what God shows you. By the way, when God works like this, God always works through affirmation, not condemnation. If condemnation's coming to your mind, then it ain't coming from God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. This is affirmation. Okay, Father, for those, those who, who receive from you, those who received in the first pass and the second pass, and maybe even right now some are receiving just something that is affirming to them, God, I pray that right now you'll seal that in their heart. You'll, you'll make that become a pursuit of power and prayer. And God, as we worship you during this song, Father, as we, as we talk about there's nothing, God, that you won't do, that your love will pursue us, your power will pursue us, your grace will pursue us in all situations. God, let this be an affirmation. Now, here's what I want you to do, okay? Everybody look at me for a minute. Now, that thing you have, I want you to make it your song. So they're going to sing this song, and I want you to take that thing. You say, well, you know, I just... God just showed me how, how beautiful I am, how loved I am. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to sing it or say it during the time that they sing this song. So it'll be something like this. They're singing, you're going, God, I just want to thank you because you love me and I'm in relationship with you and you, 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 know, you are taking care of me, you're answering my prayer, whatever it is. Got it? So you're singing your song to God. It is a new song. Amen? Got it? Say, I got it. All right, now say I'm going to do it. All right, I got to get that second part in. All right, let's sing. <laughs>